You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. We thought you might like to know about an organization that is helping students innovate in their local schools. This is an exciting show. This is an exciting organization that is changing the lives of many students by giving them purpose, meaning, and changing the lives of their community. So stay tuned and find out more here on The Chris Spangle Show. Don Wetrick, thanks so much for joining me. You are the CEO and co-founder of the Started Up Foundation. Tell me what you do. So back when uh, I was a teacher for 20 some years and I had focused on innovation and entrepreneurship. Um, And uh, really, that's a nice way of saying I I had a passion about students seeing problems as opportunities. Um, So I started this really bizarre class called Innovation and Open Source Learning. um, And that got the attention of people there in Indiana, um, both the governor's office and the IDC. And now I run this thing called Innovate Within. Uh, Innovate Within is our state's innovation, entrepreneurship program and competition, um, where we want our students to see problems as opportunities. They want to uh, build and scale solutions, whether that's an event, a service, a product, an app, um, whatever. Uh, But Innovate Within is now just this gargantuan, massive uh, competition. Uh, So we do a lot of that. And we also do a lot of other programming throughout the year, again, to engage high school students uh, to be more innovative, which is a buzzword, uh, but innovative in the sense that they are doing more, complaining less. <laughs> As a former high school student at Plainville High, which I know uh, you have some connection to, mm-hmm. um, I think the principal's a fellow, which I was excited to see. I was, uh, I think I, I won awards for complaining as a high school student. Um well, you turned it into a podcast, though, Chris. It's right. I make money off of complaining no, now. Let me call a hard time out on that because, like, you're exactly what I'm talking about is that the world is great about identifying problems, but simply making a tweet isn't necessarily doing anything. Yeah. Starting a podcast is. So I think the DNA of what you've done, and ironically enough, I've known you now for, like, 10 years, mm-hmm. which is weird, um, but, like, you doing something was that first step. And then you started to grow and scale. I I want the same thing is that our generation, the high school kids right now are great at identifying things that suck. Yeah. I I was so fortunate to have a great journalism teacher, a great forward thinking librarian, a great art teacher who started a multimedia class. Like we started the AV club. Uh, You know, we, we had really solid teachers who kind of helped us learn in 2000 through 2002, kind of this new, I was doing video editing and, and all kinds of crazy stuff that was the frontier of multimedia production. So schools and high schools are so important for helping kids kind of set the path. Talk about that and talk about the importance of, of what you've seen in terms of innovation in high schools and how that really is where the ball gets rolling. 
Yeah. So number one, let's let's just be honest with each other. Um, being able to do and work on cool projects and somebody else pay for it is the name of the game. Yeah. Like, like, if, like if I had to start it all over again, why didn't I play golf when I was in high school? It was free <laughs> rounds of golf. But in that same vein, I'm mean, like, you got to have production equipment that the school paid for and you got to make a name off of it. We, we have innovation centers all over the ta- all over the country. They're tax funded. They're called high schools. So if I were a high schooler, I would start listening to people complain and realize that your high school will fund a lot of these ideas. And, and like I said, you had enterprising teachers. And, and mind you, that was and that really resonates with me because I started a film fest for Franklin because we had a movie theater that was cool. And and other schools are pitching in because they're like, yeah, we have some good cameras and editing equipment. How can we get high school students to take a passion and and get it out of the building? So I think number one, if I were a high school student, yes, high schools will pay for a, you know a decent amount of this. Number two, why not get paid to do your homework, or why not make a name or make an impact off of homework? Um, and by the way, teachers listening, um, if you're if what you're assigning is for an audience of one. Um, I would rethink again on, is it important just to turn into one teacher? But yeah, students, if you're passionate about like, like Chris was doing and, and you want to start an AV club or like, man, there's, there's, there's no blog for our school. There's no podcast for our school. Start one. Um, and then conversely, you know, I, I, I tell this to our students all the time, listen to people complain. You know what they ought to do? No. What should we do? You know what sucks about this town? Tell me. Because at- Every time people complain, they're waiting for someone to lead it, and they'll be astounded and impressed if, if you're 15, 16, 17 years old, 18 years old and go, I'll help lead it. People will be inspired, and they'll follow on. I think that's usually important when it comes to innovation is somebody sees a problem, and then they come up with an idea that fixes it because it just it annoys them so much, you know? So. Mm-hmm. What is innovation? D- define innovation and and that big buzzword because everybody oh, talks my. about innovation, but I don't know that anybody defines it. It's funny. I uh, shameless plug. I wrote a book like seven years ago, and even then, I talked about this as buzzword. And I about I I, I did this hard gulp. Like, am I going to keep using this word? Because I just watched a commercial seven years ago about um, I think it was Cottonelle, a new innovative layer of softness. I'm like, dude, tw- something you wipe your butt with is now innovative. Yes, <laughs> everything is innovative, right? So, but I think innovative is just new approaches to old problems. Um, y- y- you know, I I I, like, I just was just jokingly telling you these kale chips are terrible. I guess that's an innovative solution to get people to eat kale. Um, you know, uh, how you spend time in school, there could be an innovative approach, how we file our taxes. There's got to be a better innovative approach. It's just new insights, new ways to solve older problems. So how does that manifest at the high school level, um, through your organization or, or, you know, just in general? Yeah. Um, so I can answer for what we do here is that we have a lot of relationships with superintendents, principals, uh, students all over the state. We have a call out um, and, and we have a lot of incentives to participate. But we we ask them just that, like, what what do you see that bothers you? You want to fix or what are you so excited about that you would want to work on and join with? Um, because we can all be entrepreneurial as well. So if you said I've got a solution for my school, that is that's that counts. Um, but like I said earlier, filling a hole when somebody's like, man, I'm shocked that no one here has started a AV club. That's entrepreneurial. 
Um, man, I can't believe that there's no real things to do for students on the weekends in this town. Coming up with that is entrepreneurial. So we have a call out every year uh, incentivizing um, with both money and scholarships to, to different universities, um, but also to get into this mindset and then get into our network of, of, of people that are wanting to help support. Um, and then what we thrive on is that we're, we, we are not wanting to be an idea competition. We are going to be a, and here's my working prototype, or here was my first A-B test, or here was my first event that I only invited 20 people that I could grow and scale this. That's what we want to do. We, we want you to do this for real, for real. Yeah, so Innovate Within is, what, a festival where people bring their ideas and they can win up to 25 grand and you can meet yeah. all kinds of leaders. Like, Tell me about the Innovate Within program and how it got started and, and what it does. Yeah, uh, so how it got started truly was from the Indiana Economic Development Corp. They wanted to do basically a youth shark tank. And they asked me as an innovation teacher what I would do differently. I told them my opinions. And I told them I normally don't like youth shark tanks because they're normally a great big idea that in theory is not going to work. And they're like, all right, smart Alec, what would you do differently? And so I laid out what I do differently. And they're like, great, join us. Um, so it originally started with the IDC. Um, two years later, they are like, it's yours now. <laughs> um, what it is, is more than just a one day event. Um, it is free curriculum to any school, um, to one, get them into this muscle memory of understanding what is the buzzword versus what is real, what is market validation, what is scalability? Uh, do you understand costs? Um, you know, what is a product market fit? These kind of things that aren't usually taught in most schools. Um, and then after that, it's encouragement, it's mentorship along the way. And then yes, in, um, you know, from February until May, there's three rounds of actual judging. And yes, there's money associated, there's travel associated with it. If you're a regional and state finalist, you get an all, ex all expense trip paid to a different city this year. I think this year it's Washington, D.C. Um, and then most impressively, and this is where it's gotten crazy, is that our students that have come through this, we deliberately like, we don't want to lose contact with you um, because everybody is very like, how, how can we help you stay? We had something like a 98% stay in Indiana rate. So a lot of our students either went directly to um, some cases employment, but a lot of them went to our universities. 98% stayed at Purdue, IU, Ball State, Indiana State, Notre Dame, et cetera. Uh, Evansville, USI. Should can I, can I ask why that's important? Because I hear a lot of that in, in Indiana, Red State. Uh, you know, it's while we do have the Salesforce Tower and we do have a lot of innovation, the Silicon yeah. Valley of the Midwest, it's, it's often said. The head of Eli Lilly and the governor and and folks always talk about brain drain and it going to other places. Mm -hmm. uh, how significant is that for maybe rurally based states like Indiana? And what? Why do we want to fix it? Why does it matter? I, so it, mm, you've hit on something that. So number one, a lot of our finalists have been rural. Um, may I politely say that among the most innovative people I've ever met, and I'm being a little stereotypical here, but they're farmers. They're people that don't have a lot of resources near them, and they know how to fashion things together the likes of we don't understand. I, I'm not, and I'm that, not making a judgment, by the way. I'm not saying you know ag agrarian. No, 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 no. no like, yeah. I'm like, yeah, I'm excited to say this. But like, I'm not. I, I totally understand, and I 
am but, not surprised. But that drain is the, one of the reasons why we're doing what we're doing is that we're trying to showcase that, A, there's a lot of opportunities here. And people are always like, I didn't know that. I didn't know that all this battery innovation was going on here. I didn't know that the future of mobility and autonomous mobility was centered here. Um, but it's it's identifying those students that are like, hey, you could build and scale something now. Because I think the other thing that we add is if you make it to the second round, you have an appointment scheduled with your small business development center. And the students are flabbergasted. They're like, people are paid to help me be successful. And so like all the data in the world suggests that if we can find you at age 15 to 18 and we can say, I think that you're onto something, even if it doesn't work, knowing that what the state will do for you to keep you and help you grow I think people are pleasantly surprised. So you be successful and buy that vacation home in Bora Bora or Florida. But we'd like for you to have your HQ here. And there's so much rural talent. I'm going to give one example, then I'll get to your next question. But like two years ago, we had two young men from the nearest big city was Salem. I think they're from a place called Camelsburg, right? (laughs) They started a fishing lure business because the problem they want to solve is Fishing lures do not come in the right color combination for Southern Indiana, especially in the winter and fall. So they started SIBCO, which stands for Southern Indiana Bait Company. They had a customized plastic injection molding to make worms, shad, crawdads. They now have a lot of sales. They have sales in all 50 states in Europe. The mayor of Salem didn't know they were doing this. We're like, you've got to start incentivizing these young men to grow and scale here. So it is a high need and then like show them that it's the cost of doing business here. The cost of setting up things locally is really, really good. And, and by the way, I am not completely funded by the state, but I am a fan of what goes on here. I, I really am. I'm, I'm 50 years old, lived here all my life. So I do want to showcase what's best for the state. All right. I'm going to challenge you on that because Please. I am a libertarian. And mm-hmm. uh, I, from a pragmatic standpoint, I understand why Salem ought to help businesses grow and stay, but a lot of people are really leery of that. Why should my taxpayer dollars go to help that small business grow when I'm paying taxes for my small business? The check I had to write for my small business last year, Don, was ridiculous. What? Why should? Why should the state or towns or localities pick winners and losers? What does it really matter? Why make the case? No, I mean, so on on this particular thing, I, I wasn't necessarily having them provide tax incentives as much as I was time and attention and what are you working on? And and, and I'll be honest with you, they were 17 and 18 years old. I, they weren't ready to start talking about, you know, tax incentives to having 50 employees and <laughs> up. So I, I do hear you loud and clear. But at the same time, sometimes it is just access to your local mayor of, I didn't know you're working on that. And everybody is really interested in talent pipeline and not losing any more. And, and Indiana is not unique in that. Every state is interested in that. Um, so, yeah, I, like, I'm not realistically thinking that at age 18, they're going to start a multi-multinational company as much as I am making introductions to people that could might get them a licensing deal with something bigger or, hey, we're opening this co-working space area. Might you want a new office here? Some other things. Um, they could come down the, the 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 pipeline. Can you talk about the uh, Indiana Development Economic Development Commission? Can you explain what that is? Why it's important? How it functions? Um, I probably couldn't. I'm not that inner workings, but um, the IEDC is the Indiana Economic Development Corp, and they are. I, I guess you could 
call them the Department of Commerce because um, Secretary Chambers is the Secretary of Commerce. But they basically are trying to um, grow and scale Indiana and and attract more businesses here, get more things going. I think that what they have appreciated is, is that, you know, homegrown talent is everything. Instead of you trying to lure a company from another state, love the one you're with. Um, why aren't you sending the, 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 the words out to, to our high school students so that you can grow and scale something from here? And by the way, we still want you to have those great contacts in Silicon Valley, Boston, Austin, wherever, um, but you can do it from here. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about the, the, do you call it a competition? Is that the right nomenclature? We, we, we nomenclature. I like that. Um, and genus and species and, uh, <laughs> so, uh, yes, we have that, that is a part of it, but yes. Yeah. There okay. is a, there is a competition over the course of like three months, but there's also programming and travel and all this other stuff. All right. So that's kind of the, the advertised thing, but how does that manifest itself in the school? Is it, do, do you go to the business teacher? I mean, I, I have a rudimentary I'm 20 years out of education. So do you go to yeah. like a high school business teacher and start a club? Is it a class? How do high schools take your program, implement it, and then, you know, kind of work us through that curriculum? Yeah. So in some cases, I have traveled to so many states, uh, so many schools in the state. It's ridiculous. And a lot of times when I see that guidance counselor or the principal, use the first to be able to talk to, I tell them I'm not looking for a teacher. I'm looking for the teacher. And the teacher doesn't usually matter what they um, teach. A lot of times they have an interest in their success outside the classroom. Yeah, we probably have more teachers in the business department in our program, but we also have a lot of engineering teachers of like, solve a problem. Oh my gosh, you could build a prototype. We have a lot of um, what used to be called home ec, which is now family consumer science teachers, English teachers, uh, teachers that are into social justice, teachers that are into community-based learning, all of these things. Um, so it, it's usually a teacher that's passionate about more than a grade. I know that sounds cliche, but like literally those people are our jam. And then sometimes school corporations have an identity of being innovative and they're like, they like the fact that um, this takes a great project and moves it out into the real world. Um, and, and, and again, I, I think the, the thing that blows my mind is everybody thinks that, okay, well then this is the Carmel and Center Grove open. Nope. Carmel has not yet to has not won nor has Center Grove. Um, I think one probably one of the best destinations for this has been in Northwest Indiana, hmm. uh, Hobart, Munster. They're awesome. Um, and then both of them, like one is a business teacher, another one is a uh, engineering principals of engineering teacher. So it's it's from all different walks of life. Yeah, and sure. just for people who are out of state, Carmel and Center Grove are the rich schools, and uh, Hobart. That's the region up by um, Hobart Chicago. is actually where the uh, the Christmas story. The guy that wrote that is from. I thought that was Hammond. Uh, I thought it was Hobart. Same, same area. Yeah, same it's the area. same thing. It's the yeah. region, right? It's uh, wild and wooly. So uh, give me an example of some of the innovative ideas that have come out of this over the last few years. Like, What are like the top three that just sort of you went, wow, I never would have thought this and how successful are these kids? Yeah, I'll start with Hobart's uh, last year. Is um, Actually, I'll give you two different from Hobart to show you the wide variety. Uh, three years ago, there was uh, two young ladies that presented, and uh, one of them, their grandmother, had um, 
uh, arthritis, especially in her hands. And she'd wake up uh, a lot at night because her hands would, would uh, tense up. So what they did is they came up with a, with a glove that had some like gears and pulleys and a heating element that over time, very slowly, the glove would open and close fast enough where it would keep her hand limber and not ache up and slow enough where it wouldn't wake her up. And the heating element also kind of helped like with the pain. They had a prototype. Um, then, uh, especially at Purdue, they were very interested in carrying this forward. So they've been working on a patent. Um, wasn't business ready yet, um, but they had a problem and they were solving it. At some point, I want to quote Vanilla Ice today, but not yet. Um, and then flash forward to this year, we had two young ladies. Again, we always ask, what problem are you solving? The first problem they were solving is they, and I, and I hope um, we don't get any defamation lawsuits, but uh, fast fashion that you see a lot of times from like Old Navy, it'll say 4th of July, 2022. Um, you wear those for one day and then they're landfill, unless you paint in them or whatever. Um, they did an upcycling event at their farmer's market where they asked to donate old t-shirts to where they shredded them because their second problem is their humane society was a no-kill shelter but was underfunded. So they decided to collect old jeans and t-shirts. The t-shirts were the stuffing. The jeans were this dog bone pattern. And they were sewing together dog treats or dog toys without any landfill use. And so they, they, they made some that was good enough for them to move on to second round. They start working with some of our counselors and the small business development center. Here's where the magic gets awesome. The SBDC counselor goes, wait a second. Like you're selling out like, yeah, it takes us all week to make 20 to 25. We're selling out immediately. They're like six miles from your high school is a thing called trade wins. Trade wins hires special needs adults. And most, a lot of what they do are sew and assemble things together. So they went from making 20 to m- making hundreds. Um, now they have three problems they're solving. Number one, landfill. Number two, the Humane Society, which are now giving 20% of their proceeds. And number three, um, continually hiring more adults that are the most unemployed in America. Um, by the way, the state all of a sudden got involved. They started looking at this and the, we just did a video on it. I can share it with you later. But like they're growing and scaling and they were freshmen in high school. Mm. Uh, and, and so their sales are going well. I, I could give you more examples. So, so like, was it? A, I mean, so was it? They they had this idea and they were doing it on their own, and then they connected to you, and then your counselors can throw gas on it, essentially. Yeah. Because well, I, well, what well, I, I, I think if you're in high school, you think like a silo, right? You think like I've yes. got this idea. I'm going to hand soap myself. I'm not going to ask for help. Yes. But the older you get, the more you realize how important networking is. Yeah, it's everything. Matter of fact, um, we had another event um, that at the regional level, this young man came in second or third, and um, his I like he barely came in second or third. He was he was a really good co- uh, um, contestant, um, and unfortunately, that was to move on to state. He did not move on to state, but a couple people there in the audience were like, "You're on to something," and he ended up getting funded by someone in the audience that now is his business partner. Uh, like, so like we, we kind of want to be a stage, an audition stage where even if you don't make it, you're still on. We, we had a young man that his business plan was, I want to buy out my mentor. He want, he worked for a guy that used to do taxidermy. He has, I, I want to hunt and fish for the rest of my life. And my mentor who was in his seventies is like, 
he's 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 going to retire at some point, and I want to take him over. He's like he doesn't even place Facebook ads, and he makes around eighty thousand dollars. In his words, cutting off the heads of deer and mounting them to walls. So like. <laughs> Like so, he had already identified men, his mentor, and then he was talking about how he was going to build and scale that the network of the people we want them to meet, um, the small business development centers, just the, the people in our, our our contacts are like, kid, you're closer than you think. So a, an idea could actually be executed with the help of others. Rarely do I expect to hear a 16-year-old say, I'm going to start a food truck and I know what I'm doing. I know my costs. I know my target market. And I already got funding. Um, but if you've got a validated idea, and even if it needs, we, we had another student that wanted to basically create fish skin bandages for burn victims. Hmm. She learned in her Project Lead the Way class that some fish skins it, adhere well to human skin. Hmm. And so she was like, I want to help burn victims in India because she was formerly from India. And so um, then she did some research and she had realized the Department of Natural Resources is killing as many Asian carp as we can possibly kill oh, yeah. because they're horrible. So then she contacted the NR, hey, could I have some fish to test on? And their answer was, <laughs> how many hundreds of pounds do you want? <laughs> but like, Chris, this is like, that's the one that the governor Holcomb was like, oh my, he was the state finals. And he's like, he couldn't stop talking about that one. Yeah. Ironically, that one didn't win. <laughs> um, it came in like third or fourth, but it doesn't matter. That girl got discovered, got more scholarships from it. Um, and now she actually leads our alumni association hmm. and I can get into that and those things that they're doing. But like, it's a chance to get in front of people and validate at minimum a great idea. And a lot of these students are already super passionate and they will move forward on it. Yeah. I think the, the, you know, the old man people on my Facebook are like, kids don't do anything. Everybody's depressed. And I'm not minimizing that because the last show that I did on this, on, in this series was how depressed and how tough things are for high school yeah. students right now. Yes. How important is entrepreneurial uh, endeavors in lifting the mood of your kids? Dude, I, it's, I, I swear to you, you did not plan this question, but you couldn't have teed it up. I really think that Innovate Within, in a lot of cases, is a is a not the answer, but a pathway to more happiness. If you are compelled to want to work towards something, I, I, I like it, anxiety lessens. Now, that's not to say that entrepreneurship doesn't induce anxiety if you start getting to a different level, but like things that you're passionate about and things that you want to work forward to is a different mindset. Um, I think that right now we have a endless loop of watching people be successful and endless scroll throughing. And, and, and that, of course, that makes you feel terrible. Of course it does. Why, why does she sell that many cosmetics? Why can't I, I have just as much talent as that person. Why am I, I'm going to, you know, you, you know, renegade and dance and whatnot in front of a camera. And you're like, believe me in the industry that I'm in, I look at other podcasters and I'm like, I'm better than them. Why are they more successful? But then I get off TikTok and start doing shows and research and my mood improves. So I get that 100%. It's the effort that is made. People need a purpose when they wake up in the morning. And and then you start also finding people that might want to collaborate because they were waiting on you. Yeah, for sure. How important is entrepreneurship to the success of communities, not just in high schools, but it feels like entrepreneurship has kind of taken a backseat in our generation. Mm -hmm. It's great to hear that it's not in the students that you're working with. 
I, I think at minimum entrepreneurial thinking is, is paramount. Um, we keep saying again, seeing a problem is an opportunity. The current generation, actually the current society, adults, we are great at saying what sucks. I'm bothered by this. I'm annoyed by that. We're great at it. Okay, what's the next step? The next step is entrepreneurial thinking. Learning how to propose some sort of a solution that is under that is not empty platitudes. It's not chanting simple mantras. It's like, here's my plan. And, and who else wants to join with me? Our students are amazed that who wants to join with me is a lot of people. People are waiting on the sidelines to be inspired. And if there is a plan, people will organize and help you. If there's a lot of empty platitudes and like, I'm bothered by these things and I think the world's unfair. Okay, get in line. Everybody thinks it's unfair too. So I, I think entrepreneurial thinking and the, and the plan of attack on what you're going to do is, is critical right now. Not just for the growth of our country, but for the psychological development of a lot of people. All right, we're getting low on time. So I want to ask about a couple of the programs. The Alumni Association, what does it do and why is it important? Man, that's where it gets. Uh, so long story made short, this was going to be year six, I think. And so um, some of the talent has come through. It has not been lost on some people. And so we had a lot of people going, how are we tracking these young men and young ladies? Um, in a very tech point or or fellowship kind of way, um, can we keep them engaged? And so we reached out to a state finalist over the last five years and said, hey, anybody wants to stay engaged, we can. We started throwing together some events, some meetups. And then like as fate would have it, um, our friends at Delara, which I had no idea how important Delara is to all things auto. They make um, um they make they make every indie car. Every indie car is is sort of the claim to fame there. Well, but what we didn't know is they also lead this thing called the Italian Motor Valley Consortium. And really they do a lot of R&D for Ferrari, Lamborghini, Bugatti, Ducati, all these things that end in I. And they got wind of some of our students and they're like, "We want to work with more of your students and more of your teachers." We sent some of our teachers and our alumni out to the Italian Motor Valley this year. Loved it. They want to do it for the next 10 years. Um, so talent pipeline. So our alumni, they are so sought after. We'll do some meetups and like we've got people saying, hey, we got internships available because who doesn't want to work with innovative talent, especially as they're getting closer to graduating from college or ready. So internships, travel opportunity. And quite frankly, they're, they're just great ambassadors of the program and of the state. So that's, that's kind of what that's about. Yeah. I'm sitting here and living my dream because of internships and great teachers. So it's fantastic. Yeah. Tell me about the Indiana Innovation Educator Fellowship. Um, we kept finding that it was, and I don't mean to be dismissive of the schools, but we kept finding that it wasn't a school that was rocking this competition. It was a teacher. Sometimes teachers were having two and 300 kids apply and they're like, what is going on in your class? And little by little, we kept finding these, I almost want to call them rogues. Um, they were those teachers that were like total gems and they were doing it a little differently. And so um, we started identifying them. And then we called our, our, our friends at the department of ed and like, Hey man, we've got these awesome teachers that are willing to work with us in a greater way. We kind of want a fellowship, pick their brain, see how we grow and scale. And they're like, yes, we want to be a part of it too. 
So they helped to start basically a former fellowship. This is the first of its kind in the country. Um, these teachers are expected to meet with their local mayor. They are expected to um, understand what is going on in their town and then look to other leaders and be seen as a leader. Um, you know, I, I think that, first of all, no one knows more people than teachers. No one. And so if we could put their network and say, hey, we need these things to go on in Rochester, Indiana, in Sullivan, Indiana, um, in Hobart, Indiana, we want this fellowship to be that sounding board and be able to work with those organizations or those city leaders, um, those nonprofits to really get things moving. All right, Don Wetrick, thanks so much. It's shameless self-promotion time, if you can muster it. Tell us, how can, if you're a student out there listening, if you're a teacher, how can I get in touch with you and get involved in what you do? Sure. So if you're an Indiana student or teacher, go to innovatewithin.org. If you're outside of Indiana, um, go to startedupfoundation.org. Um, we're actually now entertaining to expanding to two different states after this. Um, but no matter what, we, we want to hear great student ideas. Um, we work with some other venture partners that are interested in, in funding some ideas that, that you may have. Um, or if we can just be a help and be a conduit. Um, if you're a high school student out there that has like got a great idea, but you don't know where to go next, man, it'd be my pleasure to help you. All of our contact information is there. Let us know. And if you're a teacher, same thing. Uh, maybe you know of a student that's got something amazing, or maybe you want to be that teacher in the fellowship. As we get, as we make this kind of a more national thing, we're always wanting to be acquainted to those teachers. All right, Don, thanks for being my guest. Dude, Chris, thank you for having me on your show. And thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. And we will see you again soon here on the program. This podcast was produced and edited by Chris Spangle and Leaders and Legends, LLC. If you're interested in starting a podcast or taking yours to the next level, please contact us at leadersandlegends.net.